0: Uh, Good afternoon, my name's Guthrie Meeker, as I was introduced I'm a master's student at Montana State History, in the Montana State University at the History Department, and my research for this specific class is about how ceramics connect Montana to the world. I was a printmaking student at Montana State University before I joined the History Department, and so the guidelines of the assignment were to interview people in a, interview people through oral history about their participation in Montana State University. And, and my mind went quickly to the art department where I'd studied previously. And so I'll be talking about origins of tradition in Montana and origins of tradition abroad and how those are connected through a network Of really amazing ceramicists, local Montana ceramicists. This is a picture of a giant angel that was constructed out of clay at the Archie Bray Foundation in Helena, Montana. And I'm sure all some of you are familiar with the Archie Bray Foundation in Helena and it plays a real central role to the story that I uncovered with the professors I interviewed and also It plays a really integral role in the story of how Montana connects to the rest of the world through ceramics. So this is a photo that's taken by Archie Bray Jr., who was Archie Bray's son. This photo was taken in 1953. And this, uh, so Archie Bray, just to give a little history, was the owner of Western Clay Manufacturing. He had inherited that from his father, and it was a Brickworks, and they they produced bricks for, uh, for businesses around Montana. They were connected to the railways, and Archie Bray was also a real lover of the arts, and so he had always wanted there to be a pottery at the Archie Bray Foundation and and in 19, around 1952, that pottery was realized. Archie Bray dies in 1953, so he didn't really get to see how his dream turned into the wonderful, you know, foundation that it is today. His son didn't really have any interest in pottery at all. He was a pilot and wanted to Fly planes, but he did participate in the Archie Bray Foundation certainly, and here's here's one of his photographs. And I'll move on now to to connect the Archie Bray to Montana and to Montana State University with Francis Senska. Uh, Francis Senska is whoops is here on the left and. She's quite a worldly person and an interesting figure in, in ceramics in Montana. She was raised in Cameroon in West Africa. Her parents were missionaries. And she later moved back to Iowa with her parents, where she went to university there at Iowa studying art. And later, Frances Senska joins the Navy in World War II. And on the GI Bill becomes goes back to the Iowa State University and becomes a, gets a teaching certificate, which she brings to Montana around 1949. Jesse Wilbur, who was a printmaking instructor at Montana State University, was there, was one of the first art teachers. At that point, it was Montana State College. And Frances Senska, here's an image of a Frances Senska work. And you can, you know, this is a, you can see that it's still a pot and it still has a, a function, but it also brings in sort of her West African influence. And that was, that was, her worldly travel definitely influenced her ceramic production. And Senska goes on to have two students, Peter Vokus, who is here, and Rudy Audio. Peter Vokus was born in Bozeman in 1924 and Rudy Audio in Butte in 1926. And these two gentlemen in 1952 go on to be the first two Archie Bray Foundation residents on the suggestion of Francis Senska. So Francis Senska sends Rudy and Pete to Helena to meet Archie Bray. And between the three of them, they create the Archie Bray Foundation and become um, the, the first residents. Uh, Peter Vocus here moves with his wife into the chicken coop at the Brickworks. And that plays into the story later because Josh DeWeese, the, one of the professors that I interviewed, Later moved into that same chicken coop when he was director of the Archie Bray Foundation starting in the early 90s. And Pete and Rudy are both uh, World War II veterans as well. Pete was a belly gunner in the Pacific and Rudy Audio was, he worked on an Air Force base in Nevada. And the GI Bill is what affords them to go to Montana State College to meet Francis Senska and to go to the Archie Bray Foundation. And what's interesting about Rudy Audio and Pete Vocus is that in Montana, they fall in love with ceramics, they become residents of the Archie Bray Foundation, and then both of them go on to be pioneers of modern ceramic production in America. And they they're known for this because both of them broke out of the pot form. They broke out of the vessel as something that's functional. And they started producing work that became known more as a fine art. And this was, you know, and, and we have them really to thank for this. So here's an example Rudy Audio, he was a sculptor and that was his, um, he was trained as a sculptor and that's where he got his master's degree was as a sculptor in Washington. But as an undergrad in in Bozeman, he studied ceramics and sculpture. And after the Archie Bray, he goes on to do, start making a lot of public sculpture works around Montana. Pete Vocus goes out into the world and ends up teaching in Los Angeles and at Berkeley. And Rudy Audio goes on to be invited to the University of Montana, where he founds the ceramics department there at the University of Montana. And before he's doing that, he's made, so you can see that, you know, he's using ceramics, these ceramic tiles to make these incredible mosaics. And... Here's, here's another example. This is from the Montana State University Library. Um, maybe some of you have seen these at the Montana State University. And he also has a piece that's in the, in the uh, coffee shop area of MSU. That's for Kendra, because she's not in her head. I can see that she's, she's been there and she's seen it. So, uh, and, it's, and it's a great piece. But it's very, you know, Rudy and Pete Rudy Audio and Pete Bocuse really start to modernize ceramic production and this is a Peter Bocuse piece from 1960 and this Peter Bocuse is really even more so than Rudy Audio is known for having originating the sculptural form of ceramic production and here's Pete with another one of his sculptures in the 1950s. Now, here we see Peter Bokus and Rudy Audio in 1952. This is when they would have first gone to to the Archie Bray Foundation. And at this time, Bernard Leach Here's Bernard Leach and here's Shoji Hamada and a man named Suetsu Yanagi. And for this story, because of how it relates to the Archie Bray Foundation in Montana, I'm gonna talk mostly about Bernard Leach and Shoji Hamada. Bernard Leach and Shoji Hamada met each other in the 19-teens in Japan. And in around 1920, they went on to create the St. Ives pottery in St. Ives, England. And Shoji Hamada, as a young man, went to England and built one of the first Japanese style kilns outside of Japan. And Soetsu Yanagi, Bernard Leitz, and Shoji Hamada formulate a philosophy called Mingei, which is which is the idea of folk art as craft knowledge and something that sh- something that should be treasured. Shoji Hamada goes on to in Japan they have they there's a they actually have a way of honoring individuals as living treasures. And Sho- Shoji Hamada goes on to become, to be honored as a living treasure of, fo- of craft knowledge and at, for his work in pot, traditional Japanese pottery. And so these two are touring around America and they come to the Archie Bray and they meet Rudy Audio and Pete Vokus and Shoji Hamada transmits his ceramic knowledge of that he's, that's been passed on to him in an, in an apprentice style in Japan. And he passes that knowledge on to Pete Vokus and Rudy Audio. And this, this really cements the Archie Bray Foundation as an integral ceramics uh, location in America and the world. Because Shoji Hamada and Bernard Leach are extremely, they're, they're prolific artists and philosophers who really influenced American ceramics. And we'll see that, Going this is a Shoji Hamada pot here. And this I found was, this was an interesting um, primary source document because this is from a, a Bernard Leach book about his travels with Hamada in the US and, and this woman Uh, Maria Martinez is a Native American potter from the San Ildefuanzo Pueblo who is known for making that black pottery. I'm sure some of you have seen that type of pottery that's used, um, that's that's created with carbon. And so here they are again. you, You know, this is the type of transnational connections that are happening in the ceramics world that are, that... Are, are really fascinating to me because uh, because I'm, I'm interested in people's stories and, and this story is, I, I think, really really interesting in how, in how far it reaches throughout throughout the world. Now, Clary Ilian here pictured is another potter who studied with Bernard Leach and Bernard Leach is most famous for his 1940s publication called The Potter's Book and Illion, Clary Illion, goes on to write her own book called A Potter's Workbook, and it's a it's a direct influence from the type of pottery she learned at, um, at the St. Ives Pottery, and her and Ken Ferguson go on to teach at the Kansas City Art Institute in Kansas City, Missouri, which is where Josh DeWeese, who was one of the people I interviewed and who now teaches at Montana State University went to get his undergrad. Uh, and here's Ken Ferguson, also a teacher at, at Kansas City Art Institute, one of, one of Josh Deweese's teachers. What I found was interesting about Ken Ferguson was he was drafted in, into the Korean War. And when he was, and he got stationed, when he was on his way to Korea, they stopped, their, one of their main bases was in Japan and they stopped him and, the, and they said, well, we need somebody who can, who can draw. And so he ended up spending his entire, uh, the Korean War in Japan, actually. And he later goes back, this is one of his pots, and visits with Shoji Hamada in 1973. Ken Ferguson goes, goes to, to Japan to visit there. But he also is the fourth director of the Archie Bray Foundation in the 1950s. Um, and this is June Koneko and Koneko was one of Peter Vokus's students in at, at Berkeley and June Koneko also goes on to become a resident at the Archie Bray Foundation and is and Dean Adams the other ceramics professor that I in, that I interviewed uh, is was June Koneko's first assistant. So and here's Josh Deweese and Dean Adams. Uh, So Josh Deweese was born in Bozeman. Dean Adams was born outside of Billings and both of them study ceramics at Montana State University. And Dean sort of follows in the footsteps of Francis Senska. And Josh Ends up going and following in the footsteps, you know. If he gets taught by Ken Ferguson and and Clary Illion. and but Dean went to got his master's at Iowa State University, just as uh, Francis Senska did. Now Francis Senska, now Robert Deweese was also one of the first art teachers at Montana State College, and um, he also got his degree at Iowa State University, and and then Josh goes on to Alfred State University in Alfred, New York, and considers Alfred, Kansas City Art Institute, and the Archie Bray Foundation to be a trifecta of ceramic uh, legacy, essentially. And so, and and I, I've seen from, from doing, from my research that I've done, I've seen a lot of connections between Alfred, Kansas City Art Institute, and Montana State, well... Now Montana State University, but the Archie Bray Foundation. And let's see, I have this is a Dean Adams work, which I, I use this because I think that June Caneco's treatment of glaze is is really has really influenced Dean Adams, and this is a Josh Deweese work, and you can see how you know. Modern ceramics is, is now really considered a fine art, whereas before modern ceramics or ceramics in general were something functional, something that was a craft art. And Montana and Montana ceramicists have been integral to that, to seeing that transition between something that can only be seen as function and something that's seen as fine artwork. And I'm really interested in. Tracing those connections back to Montana. And it's been pretty easy because, <laughs> because it's, you know, a lot of people agree that Peter Vokus and Rudy Audio, Francis Senska before them, and all of the ceramicists that have come and participated in the Archie Bray Residency Foundation have really been integral to that transition. Some of the further research that I'm looking into, and one of the projects that Josh. Deweese and Dean Adams are working on right now is called the International Wild Clay Project. And to me, it's just another interesting way of connecting Montana to the rest of the world. Josh and Dean and their students are, and students from Montana State University, not even ceramic students, are traveling all over the world. Say if they go somewhere on a, on a study abroad, you know, they'll, they'll go somewhere, they'll dig clay and they'll bring that clay back to Montana to have that clay actually analyzed by the earth sciences department. And this is was comes from an exhibition of all of the places around Montana that Francis Senska dug clay. Because back in, you know, and that's something else if you're familiar with Archie Bray. Archie Bray is now a clay manufacturing business as well. And, um, But before that, you had to, you know, you really, before you could buy a brick of clay and turn it into a sculpture or a pot, you had to go dig the clay yourself, just like, say, Maria Martinez would do in the San Ildefonso Pueblo. And this is where Francis Senska dug clay from around Montana. And they're bringing these clay bodies back to the Earth Sciences Department at Montana State. And in an interdisciplinary fashion, are connecting science and art and travel all to this, all to, you know, this very, with this interesting international wild clay project. So I'm looking at that and and one of the other things that I'm interested in is the, the wartime correspondence between Shoji Hamada and Bernard Leach. Because here you have an ally and an axis, you know, people from these different warring nations that are actually have been friends for a long time, and that are that are connected through something greater, and that that actually transcends, you know, their status as as warring nations. and And I imagine that they uh, kept in touch with each other. So thank you.